0: Private Lender Podcast, episode 121. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Warren Buffett, who said, The stock market is designed to transfer money from the active to the patient. Hello Lender Nation, greetings from the laughing stock of the professional sports world, Houston, Texas, and welcome to episode 121 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on private lending and how to keep your money safe, well then you're in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can both avoid them and profit from them, well then pull up a chair and pour yourself a stiff drink, my friend, because this podcast is just for you. The Private Lender Podcast is dedicated to giving people just like you and me the knowledge and confidence to participate in the most passive form of real estate investing known to mankind, private lending. And if you're looking for a shortcut to begin private lending, then head over to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash ink, that's I-N-K, to learn how you can put your money to work for you by investing in private loans in and around the Houston area. Also, please make sure to join the, the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group the public group. You can go there to connect with other private lenders and be a part of a community, ask questions. There are a lot of experienced folks in there that can help you out beyond just, just what you get from the from the show. All right, so let's get down to the brass tacks of episode 121. Today's topic is about lending to an entity instead of a person and what you need to do in order to protect your money. So let's go ahead and dive in and I'm going to explain to you why you must insist on getting a personal guarantee for any of your private loans when you loan to an entity. So let's start with a look at a normal retail mortgage from a bank. An individual, you or me, will go into the bank and that bank, or you know, in the case of a private loan, a self-directed IRA custodian will require the borrower's name, address, contact information, driver's license, and social security number. In the case of a, you know, like I said, a retail mortgage, that borrower's social security number is important for several reasons, but really two of the main ones are, one, it allows the lender to pull a credit report to help underwrite the loan and assess the risk of that individual. And two, it allows the lender to report the borrower to the credit bureaus in case of a default or a delinquency. This is how banks can keep some of the borrowers', borrowers skin in the game with a conventional or FHA-style mortgage, especially you know in one of those low-money-down or no-money-down scenarios. And the same principles apply for private lending. While I don't actually pull a credit report for the borrower in my underwriting process, I do require the same info as the bank, especially the social security number. See how I almost said especially? <laughs> anyway, if my borrower defaults, I can seek legal remedies against them with their social security number in a civil court. I can put a bruise on their credit report if I decide if you know, it's worth the money to pay for it. Now, let's look what happens when fraudulent house flippers LLC applies for a loan at, at a bank. First off, besides requiring 20% of the purchase price at the closing table for an investment property purchase, the bank will want to see the formation documents for the entity and proof that it's registered with whatever state in whatever state the entity resides. It also wants to see who are the members and who are the managers. And it wants to see the LLC's EIN employee identification number or federal tax ID number, bank statements, and uh, they may want to see some minutes from meetings Within the LLC, but they also require a personal guarantee, unless th- that L- unless fraudulent house flippers has a substantial amount of money deposited with said bank. Nine times out of ten, well, I say nine times out of ten. Okay, that's pretty good. By and large, they're they're going to require a personal guarantee with with an LLC. It's different with an INC and with that has a a corporation that has a board. Right, totally different uh, ball game there. But they do require the personal guarantee for everybody, all the members and managers of an LLC, or should say, all the members of the LLC. Why would they require a personal guarantee for a business loan? That is a very good question. But a better question is, why should every private lender require a personal guarantee when lending to an entity such as an LLC? Well, this is the answer I want to walk you through because it can ruin your day. Let's say you loan $100,000 of your retirement savings to Fraudulent House Flippers LLC to purchase and renovate a property. Now, hopefully you didn't give them all the money up front for the for the, the rehab and the repairs, but let's, for the sake of argument, say you did, okay? $100,000 all in. Then for three months, your paid is agreed. Everything's going fine. Their fraudulent House Flippers is telling you, oh, yeah, yeah, it's moving ahead as scheduled, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But a month four, they stop paying their note, and then after the loan goes into default, let's assume two things happen. Number one, you're going to foreclose on the property, a hassle you don't want to to have to go through, but you've accepted that risk, and that you know is a potential outcome, and it's not the end of the world, right? But it is a hassle, or it it can be. You just give I, I say just give it to your attorney, let them handle it. Hopefully, you got enough points up front to pay for the attorney's fees on the foreclosure. And it doesn't, you know, it's a, it's a zero sum game. You get the property, whatever. The second thing that can happen is let's, let's, let's assume fraudulent house flippers LLC dissolves the entity, right? They say, oh, we're out of business. We're done. This is no longer a valid entity in let's say the state of Texas or Delaware. Now you don't have anybody you can sue in civil court or anyone that you can go seek a deficiency judgment against. Because they did not use their personal social security numbers. That was an EIN. That was the tax ID number for an LLC, an entity, which no longer exists. See the problem? But if you require a personal guarantee from every member of the LLC, you now have a means by which you ensure that borrower, that entity, keeps skin in the game, keeps their skin in the game, and keeps their butt on the line. Because now they can't just walk away like nothing happened if the deal goes south. Remember, you upheld and honored your half of the agreement by putting up your money. You should not feel bad for making the borrower live up and honor their half of the agreement to the fullest extent allowed by your state law and your loan documents. It's just as simple. A personal guarantee is a no-brainer no and it is non-negotiable. Most heavy hitter real estate investors that I'm familiar with or friendly with won't blink an eye at a personal guarantee. They see it as a cost of doing business. Except Ray Sasser of episode 26 and 93 fame. Ray will try to negotiate for anything just just for the sake of negotiating. It doesn't matter what the the, the concept or the principle is. It's not that he's opposed to a personal guarantee because he can back it up and then some. But he loves to negotiate on anything. Like I said, just for the sake of negotiating. And nothing more. It's, 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 it's actually quite fun. It's, it's, it can be maddening at, at times, uh, but, <laughs> but it is quite fascinating. But the bottom line is, remember this. It's your money and it's your terms, right? You should do everything in your power to make sure that your money comes back to you. Remember that first pillar, return of investment. That's the most important thing. And A personal guarantee by every member of an entity helps you ensure that, helps you get your money back. And that's what it's all about. So that's going to do it for episode 121. And now I'm going to give you my parting thoughts, which are, I don't charge any money for the show, but it does cost money to produce. And I would be extremely grateful if you would help get the word out and increase awareness for the show by leaving me an honest rating and review over at iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to hear my voice. It's a small but quick request that will pay us both dividends. And to be honest, I believe it's a small price to pay for the value here on this show. And that's the truth. I hope I'm right. And remember, if you'd like to get started on your private lending journey but don't know where to begin, head over to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash ink, I-N-K, to learn more about how you can begin private lending in the Houston area with my friend and friend of the show, Paul Lamnados. And please don't forget to join the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group. Send it to your friends as a dare. It'll be fun. You can go to the show notes page. This is episode 121 for more links and information. And as we close, I want to thank you for your time, and I really want to thank you for listening today. So besides self-awareness, I wish you safe and prosperous private lending, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time. Business bad? F*** you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? F*** you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? F*** you, pay me.